Boom shuck shakalaka. Yo, there you are. Hey man, how you doing? I'm doing well, bro. I gotta say, you clean up nice, man. Looking very suave there. Thank you kindly. <laughs> the hair done right. The uh, the Michael Jackson jacket. I love it. <laughs> That's it, man. That's it. Unfortunately, I form my brand around this jacket, so I can't go anytime soon. Your brand? What's this? Is this is your jacket? Yeah. Well, not my jacket. It's more so that I have this outfit on in every single one of my platform photos. Well, bro, when you got something that works, I say stick to it, right? <laughs> but remember, with great jacket comes great responsibility. I love it. I love it. Bro, thank you, by the way, so much for, uh, for, for coming on the podcast, man. I've been checking out your... I, I spent most of this morning checking out your videos. And I don't just say this, man. They're actually really good. They're really concise. You, you got me thinking about some of the things that I do, some of the uh, issues that I'm, I'm running up against... Uh, you know, in terms of my my dating or just interactions with friends and whatnot. But uh, bro, we're going to get into that. I want to get straight into it. Let me just uh, do my quick introduction, bro. And uh, we can jump into your journey and all the cool stuff that you're into. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, freaks and geeks, brothers and sisters around the world, we got Jesse, the man's coach, the inner consultant. This guy drops the dating knowledge, drops the personal development knowledge like you have no idea. We're going to get deep into being the greatest version of yourself and a lot of the things that are going on in terms of not just the dating world, but just the hurdles that men face in, in this challenge of life. But before I get into that, I uh, just want to let everyone know, if you want to check us out, I'm on YouTube, Spotify, you know the drill. You can check us out on Patreon. I got some special bonus footage that the Patreons can check out. Also, we're going to have Jesse's details here. Uh, Jesse, first of all, can you hear me all right? I just got myself a new microphone, so I want to make sure that everything is rocking. Get in my deep. Crystal clear and velvet smooth. Oh, good to hear. Good to hear. Bro, so tell me about what you do, how you got involved in being a, a man's coach, as I like to call. What do you call yourself, man? What is, what is your deal? Yeah, so I consider myself a life coach for men, but before I get into that, I'd like to thank you for having me on, man. Um, I really appreciate the time that we're taking today, and I'm looking forward to it. So without further ado, um, my work itself, um, as you mentioned, uh, I work at a company called Inner Consultant, which develops men and helps them become more complete by fixating on developing character, communication, and charisma. And when I say I consider myself a life coach, but for men... I incorporate all the past knowledge that I've had from being a dating coach, uh, all the reference experiences that I've had for coaching for two years, 52 weeks, a year, nonstop, um, all the self-development books that I've read um, and all the personal clients that I took on before I became an official coach as well. So I incorporate all that knowledge from all the different cultures all around the world while I was doing this on the road and I incorporate it into my life, test it on myself and help uh the previous clients that i've had and then i've sort of utilized that in a way that has developed into what it is right now that's awesome man i like that you're you're a man that not only talks the talk you walk the walk bro it's always good to incorporate your life experience and that's what i like about you man um i met jesse just a, a week or so ago and you caught me by just the the practicality of the advice that you had i mean i feel like sometimes a lot of this dating information is all within the realm of the head logic theory but trying to implement it and trying to uh to add that kind of um i guess holistic understanding to it is uh, is something that that takes a, a bit more effort and you seem to have like a really good uh, approach to that so bro i mean you're someone that has been doing this obviously for a while is this something that you always wanted to do did you somehow fall on this by having certain experiences in in your life or dating that didn't work out how did how, how did you get into this stuff in terms of what made you decide to become a, a life coach from my experience most people get into it through a need my need was that i was never a confident person i was an extra never an extroverted person i was not content and not happy with my life as it currently was and i'm going to get into something a bit personal here when i was 24 i actually had a mental breakdown I had spent my whole life studying. I was known as the smart kid. I went through university. I got a double degree in 
chemistry and biochemistry. I thought my career was heading in that direction. And then because my identity was completely shattered by the reaffirming status that I could not get a job in my field, I ended up working in government positions, some which were good, some which were quite depressing because I was isolated from people that I could connect with. I was in the wrong environments at the wrong time. And as a result, I just crumbled. When I finally picked myself up, uh, that's the first time I ever picked up a self-development book. Um, and quickly after that, I relatively, yeah, relatively quickly after that, I got into uh, the dating sphere. I wanted to improve my communication skills. I wanted to actually be the person that actually went on dates that could talk to a girl and be charismatic and smooth and can make her laugh and to get her interested in me. So I went on, I'd say about a year and a half journey, traveling about four hours a week, just to put myself in the environment where I can meet these people. And it became an obsession um, to really gain control of my life again. So a combination of developing internally, which I got from the books and then um, external development that I got from a lot of the dating content that I was consuming put me on the path that led to here. And then further down the track, I realized that I hit a plateau and I needed to push myself to the next level. And so when you can't get any further on your own, that's when you start consulting or you start looking for a coach to help you along the way. And that's exactly what I did. Absolutely, man. So you, you've gone from books to I've lost you. How about audio. me? Yeah, audio is a little bit different, but we've got you back. Yeah, I, I got myself a new microphone. I'm just playing around with. So um, let me stick with this this one over here. But uh, you haven't frozen up on me. Now you just you just paused. Now you go. Sweet. Yeah. So um, bro, it's it's interesting just hearing about your your journey. I mean, you you obviously are a very logical person you've done all the the study and then you've started putting that into practice and you got yourself a coach at some point um at, at what point did you decide that you wanted to become a co coach before i found a coach i was part of some online communities and some other guys were just learning about this and they wanted to go out with someone that had a little bit more experience so we went out together um whenever i went out with a guy i would always go and you know have a have a snack or go get dinner with them first because I didn't want to be going out with guys that were misaligned with how I wanted to do things. If they had malicious intentions, they were heavily narcissistic, if they uh, Machiavellian or psychopic, so the, the dark triad uh, characteristics, if they had any of those characteristics, they weren't really going to mesh with me. They can go off and do their own thing, but I don't really want to associate with them because there would be an incongruency with the way that we went out. So I would go out and um, I'd work with some of these guys. Some of them I ended up coaching. Um, and then I realized that, you know, where do I want to head in my life? Well, I'm good at communicating. Um, I definitely got a lot better with communicating with women. And I really enjoyed helping people. So I thought, well, this seems like a good career trajectory for me to go on. It's worth investigating. It's worth being curious about. So I actually, the man that I wanted to work with was from Canada and he was coming to Australia. He comes to Australia once a year to teach uh, dating programs. So I went out hoping to find him in the busy nightlife of the Melbourne CBD. And I went to the biggest venue that I thought he would be at and he wasn't there. Now I waited there for about two hours with a friend and then I walked out of the venue with my tail between my legs, very sad and disheartened because I couldn't find him. And my friend said, look, let's just go back to our normal bar. We'll have a good time. We walked in. I saw him as soon as I was there. And so I ran up to him and I said, hey, man, I introduced myself. My name's Jesse. Um, I love your content. I really want to work with you. This is what I want to become. And then uh, he put me through the ringer. Whole bunch of tests. Um, I ended up traveling to uh, Sydney to be on his next program. Um, to see whether or not I was worth doing the work, whether or not I was worth taking on as a coach and training. So and this was to, this was yeah. just to become essentially his Padawan, you know, to to be coached by this guy. This because at this point in time, I know that you you work with this guy now, 
But it's interesting that you have this initiation. You kind of do this with your clients. You want to make sure that you're you're aligned, and your your coach has obviously done the same thing with you. That's I feel like that's really important, you know, because sometimes not everyone is going to line up with the, the teaching style or the the goals that you were trying to uh, achieve. Or you know what I mean? Oh, 100%. And that congruency right there when we started, the fact that he didn't automatically say, yeah, we can put you on as a volunteer. The fact that he tested me and not only like he's like, mate, I'm going to make you fly out to Sydney. I'm going to make you fly out to Brisbane. And then when I flew back home, he's like, I'm going to go to Toronto. I've got to go back to Toronto and I'll call you in two days when I land. He called me two days later and he was saying to me, look, if you want this job, you'll have to know that at the beginning, it's not going to be paid be working basically as a free assistant and you're gonna to have to leave and be here in two days time now i had a full-time job in government at the time um i had a lot of things going on in my life and then for someone that i had spent a week and a half with to tell me hey if you want this job that is unpaid and you want to take this career then here's the leap of faith here's your opportunity i'm giving it to you but you're gonna to have to risk it all that's incredible, man. I think we've all been in a situation like that where you're, you're, you're met with this opportunity, but you're, you're, you're second guessing yourself as there's such a risk involved that without any risk, obviously you don't see the reward. And I mean, I, I know that you're someone that loves doing what you're doing. You're obviously very successful at it. So it, it's paid off. That's, um, that's amazing, man. What, what I find really interesting about your, your story is uh, partly the, just the, the initiation that you go through. I mean, you spoke about how, um, essentially you want to make sure that the person that you're coaching has the right kind of um, mindset. And I find anytime you're dealing with, with life coaching, specifically with game dating coaching, a lot of people are familiar with the, the pickup world. It tends to get a bad reputation because the, there are certain approaches that are used within that, that are, as you would say, Machiavellian, very, uh, very manipulative. And the impression that I get from you is that essentially you're trying to be more authentic with your approach. And, I know you're someone that is familiar. I mean, pretty much anyone that's interested in dating in the 21st century has probably come across a book called The Game by Neil Strauss and is familiar with that whole uh, approach to things. And I know that you're somehow connected with that. How's, how's that book shaped your, your approach to dating and your, I guess, your, your approach to life? And how did, if you want to contrast your, your style as opposed to the, the, the conventional pickup artistry that you, you often hear when you when you come across these um, uh, dating coaches, what would that be? Is the un unconventional thing. I never read the book, The Game. Wow. I've never okay. read the book, The Game. I never researched any of the old dating coaches um, or the pickup artists. I only ever knew about them secondhand through clients or fans that came to a, the events that we were coaching at and talked about them. It's probably why and, I like your style, bro. It's very organic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. Um, and, and so I, I had a, a completely unobstructed viewpoint when I went into this. Um, I actually got, when I started, I got into it through a friend and he just taught me some stuff that he knew. Then after a month, he's like, hey, you should probably digest some of this content. So I was a very much action first and then research um, afterwards approach, uh, which is the complete inverse to how I used to be before I got into self-development. Um, a lot of my influences were the people that I met in person. So when you work in the dating or the pickup community, it's a very close network. You know everybody in the field, competition or friends. Um, everybody is in the same similar circles or networks. So you meet them all at one point or another. And so it was mainly just who I met, the vibes that I got from them, um, and the conversations that we had with them. You can learn a lot about a person by talking about um, basically whatever, or just sitting down and having a meal with them for five minutes. So that's really how I sort of cultivated the people that I wanted to, you know, take parts of what they did and incorporate it into the way that I operate and had to discern the people that weren't going to be those people. That's awesome. And I think that's a really powerful way to learn. You know, a lot of people get caught up in one approach. I mean, this has been my experience because there was a time when uh, a friend of mine introduced me to the game and the kind of person I, I'm very intuitive, very right brain about everything I do. And this book was very, you must do X and Y in order to get the woman. And it was a very different approach to me, you know, but there were certain things that I took from that, that, I mean, 
you know, just made me reassess the way I was doing things. And I think it's important to open yourself up to different learning styles and find your own approach. And I think by uh, interacting with different people, that uh, that definitely helps you find your path. Um, you know, I know that dating is such a small part of what you do. You're a life coach. I mean, essentially, you're a, you're an inner coach. And it's interesting because I feel like these things are so interwoven. I think in order to become a better at dating, more successful you know, with women, uh, friendships, whatever it might be, whether it's sex or romance, whatever it might be, I think a huge part of that lies in your own fulfillment, you being successful, confident in who you are. And it, it's funny, like, I think where it tends to get a bad rap, like men that are wanting to improve themselves in the dating world in terms of wanting to actually become better talking to women. I feel on some level, people look at that in, in terms of, well, you know, like why, why focus on that? It's so important, I believe, in order to uh, become um, more confident as a person. You know, I think one of the biggest fears is public speaking for most guys. And I think mm -hmm. an even bigger fear, particularly when you're, when you're new starting off, is speaking to women. And by becoming more confident, I mean, just watching some of your, your videos, I, I often hear you speaking about uh, yeah, just becoming more confident as a human being and in your life. And what are some things that you can share with us in terms of how you can, you can meet uh, success in the dating world by improving your, your own success in, in your own personal growth? From what I've seen to be consistent is you've got to be willing to do the hard thing. If you're not willing to dive in, do the hard thing, if you're going to be timid, then it's not going to work out. You can be afraid. You can be scared. I did a lot of public speaking, a lot of events, a lot of coaching while I was on the road and a lot of talking to women, as you'd expect when I was working as a dating coach. The beautiful thing about that is it forces you to do the hard thing. It forces you to say, okay, well, I'm going to do this thing that makes me afraid, but I know because I'm afraid of doing it, there is going to be so much growth, so much benefit on the other side of things. The power of reframing that in your mind to make it seem like there is an infinite benefit on the other side of doing something extremely hard or something that has a long-term benefit but short-term pain is one of the most amazing things that you can have. Train that mindset and then put yourself in the environment where you can do that sort of work and then work through the repetitions the easier it will become is basically approximate to how often that you do it. So if you can do those hard things and have those opportunities to do those hard things, and I mean, you can do that pretty much anywhere. You can uh, do, do public speaking through Toastmasters groups, through universities. Um, you could just talk to random people on the street or put on a presentation in the middle of, you know, Swanson Street or the middle of downtown um, Brisbane or something like that but you need to be willing to put yourself into that discomfort. Absolutely. I think that's where the growth happens. The fact that you develop this will, this ability to, to put yourself in adversity. I, I like the idea, this is a JF, JFK quote that you should ask not for easier times, but to become stronger men. And I think there's power in that because you essentially grow in order to deal with the adversity. And by growing, that's what makes you more competent and not only uh, dealing with life, but your attitude towards women and so forth, being able to speak confidently and that, that shines, you know, I was speaking to a, a friend of mine, uh, the other day, very beautiful woman. And, uh, I was asking her why it was that she's always dating very successful, very rich, affluent men. And I mean, she kept, kept on telling me that she's not actually attracted to money. That's the last thing that she is concerned about. And I actually believe her, right? I mean, I know a lot of women, say that I'm not into, I might care about money, but they, you know, they too tend to be gold diggers, but no, she, she was being sincere. And she told me that it's, there is a confidence that you see with men like this, people that have actually achieved difficult things. They're very successful. Uh, it manifests in their entire demeanor and that's what she's attracted to. And I think when people achieve that level of success, it manifests in the way in which they treat other people. And that's why I find so much value in your approach. The whole idea of just rather than just focusing on the dating aspect, focusing on what you can do to improve yourself as a person and so forth. Um, for one thing I got to get into with you, right? Because I feel like dating in the 21st century is such a, a juicy thing because on one side, back in the 70s, men used to be very gun ho You know, they'd be catcalling, they'd 
approach women, do things that, you know, were probably not that appropriate, you know, but nowadays it's been suppressed so much that even the idea of wanting to approach women on the streets is considered by some people to be taboo. One of my friends was telling me, you should never uh, hit a girl on the street. Obviously not hit a girl, you know what I'm saying? Like hit on a girl, right? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pacifist, you know, but I, I do like to, uh, I do like to stalk those women in a very uh, respectful kind of way. But because of this toxic masculinity culture, a lot of that is frowned upon. Even the idea of showing interest or too much interest in a girl. And I'm, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on that whole thing. Like, do you, do you try to, uh, do you try to find a balance in your own life between being assertive and uh, I guess uh, respecting boundaries? I mean, what's your whole take on the toxic masculinity thing? That might be a better place to start. So before I touch on toxic masculinity, mm. when you were talking to your to your female friend, sure, I f- I find it very interesting, and I think a lot of people overlook this is that the women that are attracted to men that have you know this sort of opportunity and that have money, the money is a consequence of them developing themselves, of them willing to do the hard thing of putting in a lot of time and a lot of effort. So just because this person has money doesn't mean that's the primary reason you're attracted to them. They have money as a result of doing the hard work. And they've built up skills and competency in a certain area of their life. So when I look at life coaching, I take all the aspects that I learned from dating coaching, as I mentioned previously, and all the other aspects of my life and what I've coached, but I draw the invisible lines between each field. I say, well, where is dating the same in, in, you know, in terms of business? Where is dating the same in terms of marketing or sales or um I don't know, gardening or something like that. You can draw invisible lines between all of the fields there. And that's what builds up that those universal principles that you can use in coaching. At least that's how I do it anyway. Um, on the subject of toxic masculinity, this is a debate that I've had a lot over the last two years. Context is required. When I'm on the road, I'm traveling with a lot of entrepreneurs. I'm traveling with a lot of businessmen. I'm traveling with other dating coaches um, we're all doing crazy things at strange hours of the day in multiple different cities over the course of a couple of weeks. When I came back to Melbourne during COVID, I was surrounded by a completely different environment. So the conversations were very different on the road to what they were when I came back home. And I noticed that even things that I would not consider to be um, encroaching on people's boundaries were very heavily considered so by the group of people that I knew in Melbourne. But that being said, none of them were hyper successful. None of them were um, extremely happy in their dating lives or had long-term relationships or even just casual relationships that they were happy about all the time. Some of them weren't even in relationships and had never been. So I always looked at their advice um, and their opinion with a grain of salt. Cause I'm like, if you want to take the advice of the people that don't have the things that you want, where do you think that's going to leave you? Exactly. I'm so glad to hear you say that because I think we're on the same page. One of the things I've found is that uh, a lot of people tend to have this snowflake mentality when it comes to uh, approaching women. One of my friends, if my close friend of mine was telling me that you shouldn't even approach women because in the 21st century, there's there's Tinder, there's online dating, and some girls are going to find that offensive. But I think it's been a very traditional attitude uh, in the West and pretty much throughout all cultures that only the brave deserve the fair, that in order to actually find a, a beautiful woman, you need to have the courage to at least approach her and to be willing to risk making yourself look like a fool, even if it means risking um, her not liking you and the fact that you approach her. Because where is there's this whole attitude I find within the uh, the, the third wave feminist uh, uh, kind of mindset that it's wrong for a guy to to hit on, when I say hit on a girl, you know, essentially to approach her, that kind of thing. I, I think back to this uh, Gillette commercial that was really popular a few years back. And I was heavily criticizing this scene where this uh, this guy tries to to talk, simply just approach a woman. And this brother's like, yo, man, well, what you doing? You, you know, he should be basically tries to stop this guy. And I'm like, and this this was deemed as being an appropriate thing in the, in the commercial. And I'm watching this and thinking, what? what? This is absolute insanity. And my 
my my feminist friend he was telling me yeah man that's right you shouldn't be you shouldn't be hitting him. i'm like but the whole idea of being what i would call a man is having the courage to actually approach women it's not even about the success it's about being willing to risk making a fool of yourself you know and the fact that in this 21st century mentality even the idea of pursuing a woman is considered to be borderline inappropriate you know like even making your intentions to her clear like i find you really attractive the the whole line between harassment like even looking at someone i've actually heard someone say is inappropriate if you look uh too enthusiastically so it's just it's just a, a conversation i always find interesting because there are different schools of thoughts it's like how do you actually date in the 21st century and this is a good topic to go into because where is the, the whole world of dating has changed over the last um, few years? There is a very different attitude now because of the online dating world. Do you, do you give tips on that? And how do you think that has perhaps changed the, the landscape when it comes to dating in the 21st century? Yeah, so I used to help people navigate the online dating community quite frequently. It's something that I still do. Uh, it's not something that I primarily do. But this sub subject, this particular topic gives me the shits. It drives me fucking crazy because what is the alternative? And this is the, this is the question that I always ask someone that wants to put in a new world order or wants to overthrow the government or wants to say, you know, no to X, Y, and Z. I'll say, okay. Let's say we do it your way. Or well, let's say that we get rid of this thing. Where does that leave us? What is the alternative if this is not the solution? And that's what I would propose to a lot of people out there. What is the alternative? If you're not approaching girls, if you're not meeting them at bars or clubs or libraries or malls or on the street or whatever, you're relying on online dating and recommendations from friends. What if you're not a very popular person? What if you're not very charismatic? What if you don't have a large friendship group? What if the friends that your friends have are not into the same area of life that you're in? Where is the mismatch here? If you work in sales, you don't rely on a passive approach of just hoping that the marketing brings in leads. No, you go out there and you prospect. You go out there and find the people that you think will want to buy your product. And it's the same thing in dating. You can't sit back and rest on your laurels and take a passive approach. There is a balance that is required, both you being active and you being passive in your approach to cultivating a better dating life. And I think from my experience, the reason why people are so opposed to people approaching people on the street and the reason why it gets such a bad rap is because people don't know how to do it and therefore come off creepy. And so what do they say? This is a creepy thing to do. It's not socially acceptable. So let's shut down any format or medium that promotes this sort of behavior. Absolutely. And then as a result, it just leaves us in a deeper hole. We just keep on digging that hole and then wondering why we can't see the sky anymore. Bro, that is such a salient point. There's so many threads that I wanted to, uh, to, to go from there. But uh, fundamentally, I, I think it comes down to being willing to take that risk. I think there is something that's very attractive about a man that has the courage to actually put himself out there. And whereas a lot of, at least some of these women do say that they don't, some of my friends for that matter, uh, guys tell, tell me that it's not attractive for a guy to, uh, to approach a woman like that. I think they actually are saying this out of ignorance. Even when women often say that they don't find this attractive, more often than not, when a guy actually does something like that, like approach them in the right way, it's hugely attractive because universally courage is considered to be uh, an attractive quality confidence right isn't that what women say they're attracted to confidence and it's the fact that i find there are so men that are lacking in this confidence that uh is really at the heart of heart of the problem i think we're moving into this realm now where the, the even the ability to do things that are are risky is not is not given to you Back in, in ancient times, men had to, and this is moving away from the whole dating thing. This is just the, the initiation, the rite of passage for men to actually uh, manifest their, their masculinity. It, it's like there was a requirement in indigenous cultures for men to go through some kind of a difficult thing, like whether it was uh, hunting a, a lion or something like that. There's like a rite of passage. And I think unless you expose yourself to difficult situations like that, you don't get the opportunity to grow and I think that's at the heart of the problem. It's not even whether or not it's effective in terms of winning a woman over. I think someone that is 
pursuing a path of personal growth should be wanting to do things that are more challenging. And I think we're being denied these opportunities in the 21st century because of, of, of trivial things like the fact that someone might be offended, someone might get hurt. And there's always some of someone might being offended, you know, in, in life, you know, but uh, to, to not err on the side of passion just makes you a lesser man in my perspective. I think, as I often say, only the brave deserve the fair. But, uh, Pro, let, let's talk about, I want to talk about your experience um, with, with dating. I mean, what, what's, I, I guess even before you, you got into this whole thing, before you got into the life coaching, were you, look, were you someone that was looking for a partner? Were you someone that were, was just trying to, I don't know, perhaps just become more of a man and just show that you could go out and, and uh, talk to lots of women? Or were you, I mean, what was your thing? What, what, do you, what were you looking for? Well, before we touch on that, I'd like to say sure. that I agree so much with that, the personal mantra, you know, only, only the courageous really deserve to have that opportunity. Only they, the people that are bold enough to take that action should get the results in turn, because there, there has to be something that you're putting on the line. There has to be something that you're risking in order to get the result, right? Whether it be rejection or whatever, you need to put yourself in a situation where you've, you know, you've got to risk it. There has to be something you have to risk face or ego or whatever it may be. All right. In terms of uh, my dating, it's weird. When you go into this field, you go through, it's a bit of a roller coaster ride. You go into different motivations and reasons why you do things. My primary reason when I started was to fix my own life, all right. to improve that area of my life, to build confidence and competence um, with women and to build up confidence within myself. Secondly, it was to help people, which I found is a very poor motivator when you become a coach, which sounds insane and counterintuitive, but it cannot be your primary motivator for when you're coaching, um, which I can get into on a later basis. That's No, let's get into that because this, this ties to something I find really relevant, like success and, and money and, um, and value and how essentially your, rep, your, your value as far as the impact that you have on society, in my opinion, is represented by how much you're, you're paid and how successful you are. And sometimes you have to think about what you can do in order to impact the most kind of people as opposed to just trying to help people, if that kind of makes sense, you know. But, um, bro, I'd love you to go into that a bit more. Just, I guess, the dynamic between being of service to others and being of service to yourself and being valued for what you do. Yeah, you've got to... It's an interesting thing. When I used to work at the at the dating company that I used to work at, uh, it was very different because I was not selecting the clients. I was the assistant that then became the coach and we were given clients via the sales team until I joined that process and I could start cultivating the clients that I knew would have gained the most from working with us that would have become the most successful and that actually wanted to change. There are three capacities in which somebody needs to pass the test to become a, a good client of yours. They need to be coachable, they need to be resourceful, and they need to be committed to change. If they're not any of those three things, then you're, you're writing a recipe for disaster. We used to have a rule on any of the um, in-person programs that we used to run. There was always the good, the bad, and the ugly client. The good client was the client that followed the instruction. He did pay for it after all and went out and executed and got results and ended up being more satisfied than anyone else by the end of the program. The bad client was the client that didn't want to follow any of the directive because he wanted to do things his way, or he wasn't willing to sacrifice a little bit of his ego to learn, or he was just too fearful to do the things that he paid to learn. And then the ugly student was the one that ended up sucking all of your energy and all of your time. And you gave him the most um, that you could possibly give and it was never enough and then tries to refund the program at the end of it saying that it was a waste of his time. So I learned very quickly that you can't coach with the pure intention of trying to save everybody. You need to find the people that are willing to put in the effort and that want to do the work. And they'll say, I'm going to support you as much as you want to actually do the work. If you're 70% in, I'm going to be 70% in. If you're 100% in, I'm going to be 100% in, but you need to meet them at that same enthusiasm. I can't care more about your life than you do. If that's the case, 
things are never going to change. I can't want your success more than you do. If that happens, then we're just going to be in the exact same situation where I'm urging you to move forward. And you're saying, oh, I just want to take baby steps. I'm like, no, we can take leaps here. I'll hold your hand if you need that. But whatever it takes, let's push forward. But yet again, it, it is a matter at the base level of being courageous, of taking that leap, of willing to do the hard thing. Well said. That is such a salient point in terms of things I think a lot of people encounter, not just in dating or being coached, but in, in business, any, to any situation where you're trying to help someone and you can feel that they don't want the success in the same way that you do and you're pushing too hard and you're wasting your time. Or I, I've been in plenty of situations. I, I tend to be one of these people that can get, get on the bleeding heart liberal side of things. And I'm always trying to help people uh, in order to do something, save them, you know, whether it's helping a family member or, you know, helping someone that is trying to change the diet or something like that. And I found myself in situations where you know that they don't want to do it, but you find yourself pushing them and pushing too hard. And I've also been on the other end. My, my brother used to do this to me. I remember um, being in this marathon and he wanted me to win so much that he ended up like coming uh, towards the finish line and trying to push me across so I could win, you know, and when this other guy was on the verge of overtaking me and it's like, he was so heavily invested in the outcome more than I was that it just created a really weird situation. And uh, mm. I, one of the themes that I, I, I keep hearing is just how so much of, I mean, you, you mentioned a while ago, like to, I think you was talking about just the invisible threads between um, any, anything that you do, like the connections, like obviously when you were successful in, in, uh, in dating that manifests itself in other areas, or that can be easily transferable to other areas of your life. You can, the, the things that you've learned from dating can be easily implemented and so forth. But just in regard to the coaching side of things, what I find really interesting is that you are trying to make sure that someone is teachable. Someone is the right kind of a uh, Padawan, as I like to call it. And I think it's really appropriate because if you have a look, I'm a big fan of Star Wars. And there is this model in the uh, the Star Wars universe where the Jedi, you obviously have the Sith and the Jedi, and not everyone is going to be amenable to learning the path of the of the Sith or the Jedi because they just have a different core. But even then, there are different kinds of Jedis. I mean, where is your specific type of teacher? I would call you more like a, a, a Jedi, you know, in the... Uh, uh, in the, the moral kind of sense, you don't want to use any of this Machiavellian tactics. There are certain Jedis that specialize in, let's say, there's the Jedi Consular, who's more about diplomacy and uh, less focus on, on physical aggressive tactics. And there's the Guardian, the Sentinel. And the teacher has to fit the kind of student. So where is there all of these different teachers? They have to find the right kind of student. I guess what you do, where is your specific in the, the, the approach that you have? You want to customize that to someone that is going to be receptive to your towards your teaching stuff and i i guess that's a big part of anyone trying to become better in the world of dating or anything for that matter sometimes you, i guess you have to find out what type of learning style is best for them have you ever come across someone that is just unteachable in terms of your ability to teach them i've always thought of myself as a gray jedi Okay. Oh, we're, we're done. I like, bro. We're going deep, into, deep the, into the law, baby. Oh, like Treya. Oh my man. We're going, we're going deep into the law. And the reason okay. why I say that is because you shouldn't be afraid of knowledge. I feel, I feel like a lot of Jedi are ignorant of the dark side because of what they fear. Right. So you can't be afraid of that knowledge. You need to understand things from different perspectives, the good, the bad, and everything that happens in between, because mm. one, that is a matter of perspective and two, enriching your knowledge from all sources makes you a better teacher. That's why I like you, Jesse, man. You were you were a man after my own heart. That's exactly how I feel. You know, knowledge in of itself is not good or bad. It's how you wield that. You know, every time I would I'd be playing these Jedi games and getting and then being told I couldn't use this power because it's uh, it's not in my alignment. I'm like, hey, man, I'm only going to use that in self-defense or use that in the right kind of way. I guess it's about using uh, or being open to everything and finding what works for you. And uh, I think that's a that's a powerful message. And in life and as well as dating. Yeah. Well, I, the way I personally operate is everything is guided by uh, my version of morals and ethics, which I consider to be correct behavior or desirable behavior or things that are acceptable. I wouldn't want things done to me that I would do to other people like so on and so forth. Um, I, I held those sort of mentalities and they really govern how I sort of behave in terms of finding an uh, uncoachable 
clients, I've come across a lot of them. Um, and it's very disheartening. It's very disheartening. And I've been on a lot of phone calls with them as well. I've been on a lot of phone calls for um, enrollment, enrollment conversations with people. And when I've had people on the program that just didn't want to change, I needed to really sit them down separate to everyone else and say, look, man, I can't make you do anything you don't want to do, but you paid money, you're investing time and you're investing energy on this program. I'd like to see you walk away successful, but to do that, we need to reach a certain quota. We need to hit a line and we need to just to step across that together. I'm willing to help you do that. And I can tell you right now, you're never going to find a more supportive environment than these men on the program working towards the same goal as you. It's not competition, it's collaboration. Everyone here is looking out for each other and we're all working towards the same goal. You're never going to find a more supportive environment to do this in. Now, if you, won't, if you don't want to work in this environment, that's perfectly fine. You can do it on your own when you go home after, this, after we've finished this week's um, worth of work. But I can tell you right now, it's going to be a lot harder. I want to see you get your money's worth and I want to see you change. And we can do that the best while we're here in person. The choice is yours. And I hope you decide that you actually want to put your best foot forward and work together on this program because I would really like to help you. I put the impetus on them because you can't do anything otherwise. The person needs to change. And if you need to pull on some emotional strings, if you need to make them understand the gravity of their situation or the repercussions of their inaction, that is your responsibility as a coach. You need to put them in the situation where they can best learn. And then it's their choice. I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching, but my favorite thing to do is accountability calls. I used to run a big 60-person accountability group. Now I run a much smaller uh, personal accountability group under my own brand. And it's my favorite thing to do because I love to have guys in a group surrounded by men working on developing themselves and turning themselves into more complete and better people. Because being in that environment helps you change. Anyone that knows anything about behavioral characteristics or um, habit knows that prompt and environment are very strong stimulus in terms of making a change in someone's life. I want to put them in that environment, whether it was in dating or in life coaching, the way I do things now, I want to put you that in that environment where you're going to be supported. I'll be your number one cheerleader when you're doing the work. But if you're not doing the work, then we need to have a conversation and see if we've got if our goals and our values still align. Because if they don't, I'm not going to be upset, but I will ask you to move on to find someone that is willing to meet you at your level. That's powerful, man. That is really powerful. That's something that I can see being so relevant with just some of the interactions I have with people. Where is I'm the kind of person that I'm I'm very driven. Um, I'm, I'm not, if I want to achieve something, I don't need people. I don't need my mom or my friends, peer, peer group telling me to do that because I want that thing more than anything else. I think it's just human nature that we need uh, a group in order to, to keep us not just accountable, but sometimes to kind of spur us on. And I'm finding more often than not with, with peop other people that I speak to when they're looking for advice or they're trying to achieve something, it comes down to the fact that they don't have that encouragement. Like more often than not, I find myself, I alluded to this earlier, of wanting them to succeed more than they actually want to succeed. And I think it's so important for people to be surrounded by um, a group of like-minded people that are going to keep them accountable and going to earn them on to, to try to achieve things. Because there are two types of people. Of course, there are never two types of people in this world, but I always like to say that. Uh, there are some people that need that kind of carrot incentive. They want the gold and they're willing to uh, work towards it because they, they can see how that's going to benefit in their lives. And then there are those that need to be kicked in the ass. You know, uh, they need to be smacked in the ass rather. And unless of course you're, you're, you're constantly prompting them, but look, 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 obviously you're, you're affecting your, your health. It's going to affect your ability to do what you love doing. You want to achieve this, you know, give up that, that shitty food that you're eating. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, yeah, I just think in this day and age, uh, I think because we become so disconnected from having groups, not groups that we interact with on social media, but people that we see on a day-to-day -day basis, particularly in light of the, the lockdown measures and so forth, it's very hard to have group accountability groups, people that are just, I mean, there's something powerful about having 
friends around you that are going to hold you up to uh, the things that you say that you were going to do. Like I watched one of your videos, Jesse, just um, just a while ago, and I guess this is quite tangential, but it just dealt with. Um, actually, this is very kind of tangential. This was this was on the topic of boundaries, and uh, I found really this is something that related to me. Like you were speaking about how essentially people will treat you in a way that you allow them to treat you, and I think it's it's very easy to to get caught up in this space where you're wondering why things happen to you or people treat you in a particular way because you don't assert yourself. And I think the more comfortable you become with asserting yourself, the more you, you realize, like, I guess through social interactions, uh, you become better at knowing what you want and what you don't want. That's how you avoid these, uh, these negative interactions or feeling as if you are unloved or un unrespected. And I just found your perspective on that to be really powerful, Matt. Like just in terms of, um, I guess, boundaries, uh, is that something you can perhaps speak a bit more about? Like what are some things that you've learned in terms of like setting your boundaries? Yeah, uh, this, is, this is something that I find really interesting to talk about. There's mm. a lot of different ways to explore it. Experience with multiple different types of people is always great. Um, you can put yourself in different communities, different environments, go out and just talk to people. It's an amazing thing that you can find from that sort of thing because you can get their viewpoints, take on the value systems that you really like and you think really suit your life or are aspirational into what you want to become and incorporate them into yourself or at least get the ideas of saying, this is the direction that I want to head into. When it comes to boundaries and standards, I think uh, the boundaries is a reflection of how you let people treat you. Standards are uh, the characteristics and the values that you hold yourself um, up to. So when it comes to getting people to test your boundaries, you need to be courageous enough to dive into an area which may be confrontational to assert the fact that you will not be treated X way. And the most interesting way, you, you want to find someone that wants to dive into the deep end of this, don't tell them to do this with women in terms of their relationships or men in terms of their, of their romantic relationships. Don't tell them to do it with their friends. Tell them to do that with their family. This is where it becomes really interesting. Now, for me, I'm very close with my family. We talk about everything and anything. They know exactly all the fields that I've worked in. They know the way I teach. Um, and it can be very painful and annoying for them because they have to deal with me in that manner. Um, and the interesting thing is as you grow up from a, a child into a man, you need to reestablish the boundaries and the relationship that you have with your family, especially with your parents. And that conversation is hard, right? And it gets harder depending on what cultural background you come from. It's just about to mention that, bro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you try right. speaking to your African parents, man. Hey, what is this? Do not speak back to me. I want you in this way. I will take you out. I just recently tried to have this conversation, bro, and it did not go down very well. I my mom still treats me, you know, no different to when I was ten years old. But anyway, let this please, please, please go on. No, no, it's it's look, it's a very tough topic, right? Mm -hmm. And people always be like, oh, you know, it's it's always girls and relationships and shit like that, and that's the hardest area to have that conversation. No, it is your family. All right. It is really hard. And especially like I've had clients in the past that, you know, they come from a very traditionalistic um, uh, Middle Eastern background or they come from a very traditionalistic uh, Vietnamese background or something like that. And their parents are very ingrained in the choices that they make in their life. And I'll say, well, it's time that we reestablish this relationship here. You're going to have to have some difficult conversations. You're going to have to say some things that they don't want to hear but you need to reestablish the boundaries because you can have two choices here. You can either live your life on your own terms or you can have someone dictate those terms to you and live by those. I know which ones that I would prefer. And I can tell you right now, on the other side of that conversation, they may have grievances with you for a short period of time, but they will, they will eventually come to terms with the fact that you are living your life the way you best see fit. If there's mistakes along the road, you need to make them and they need to accept that. Apple. I guess the, the issue is whether or not they change themselves in order to fit to your, your boundaries that you've set or whether or not you just continue accepting the, their, 
uh, yeah, their bad behavior, you know, whether or not they're, they're going to continue doing that is, I guess, um, up to you in terms of whether or not you eventually say, look, I'm going to walk away from this because they're not reciprocating um, me or whether or not you just endure it. And because they're your family, right? That's something, I mean, essentially we, we stick with our, our family regardless of what happens. At least this is the, the narrative. But I guess my attitude is um, I, I often like to say that the, um, uh, there's this phrase, you know, blood is thicker than water, but it's actually um, the, uh, the covenant is thicker than the water. The blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. And the idea is that where is, you know, our, our family, our connections are for life. It's actually being around people that hold the same values as we do that are going to respect our boundaries they're the people that we end up being closest to, you know, just because someone is related. And it's difficult, particularly except in, in our uh, Western kind of worldview, you know, where we're very uh, close knit to our families, but it becomes tricky when you're living your entire life and your, your, your family continue to treat you in a way and won't respect your boundaries. Um, but have you, have you experienced that at all? Or uh, you mentioned you're very close to your family. So I presume that's not an issue with you, but it's well that's the thing as well i am very close with my family but there have been fractures along the line there's been moments and and one of the great teachers that you can have to really get somebody to listen to your viewpoints is time um i've had to give i've had to place ultimatums which i was not happy with in the past i needed to um just break off communication for a couple of months just to give them give them some time to reassess how they wanted things to play forward because it's not a great um, quality and trait of mine, but I can be quite stubborn. Um, I'm willing to listen to their arguments. And I think that's very important. You need to hear both sides, but you need to, if you want to live a certain life, you need to understand that there's certain things that can be compromised and certain things that can't. And you need to be willing to walk away at some point, give them some time to process. And I'm not talking a couple of days. Sometimes it'll be, you know, three weeks. Sometimes it'll be like four months. Um, God forbid it's a year or more. But sometimes you need to give them time to process. They're important to you. You're important to them. If, you, if you're close with your family or if your family is an important area of your life. But there are certain ways that you should not accept being treated. Um, and it's your responsibility to redefine the relationship. They're not going to. They're the parents. They're always going to be considered the guardians. They're always going to be worrying about you and looking after you, um, assuming that your family is, is close-knit and not abusive. And so that's, that, that's not going to change. So you need to be the one that's willing to make the first step um, and to redefine that relationship. And it changes all around the world. The great thing about coaching internationally and, tra and traveling to a different city every week is that you have to absorb the culture of the land very quickly to understand the mind of how people operate. And it's different in Finland to how it is in Korea, to how it is in Colombia, to how it is in America, to how it is wherever you go, right? I never had the pleasure of actually teaching in Africa. So um, maybe one day we'll get to that point. Yeah, well, I don't want to generalize, but yeah, look, a hallmark of um, African culture is ancestry and it is family. And I suppose this is pretty ubiquitous, but there's this whole attitude of uh, not talking back to your parents. And I think it's difficult when you are influenced by Western culture, which a huge part of it emphasizes, you know, self-respect, um, individuality as well. And I think, I mean, this ties back to what we were saying just in regards to to dating and I think a huge part of being successful is confidence and you regain confidence by self-respect in fact I remember reading or watching a video on uh here's a here's a bit of information apparently one of the most um the biggest qualities that women would look for on this dating app I'm not sure how they were able to assess this just based off of looking at someone's image was whether or not they had self-respect there is something that actually evokes this in the way that people would even do certain poses and so forth and it's a quality that we tend to admire and that's why i think it's so important to maintain that like there's nothing like what it does to your psychology when you feel as if someone is crushing your boundaries and that manifests in how you interact with people and when you see someone that has a lot of confidence they tend to have a lot of respect for themselves because they've achieved things they can they can look at themselves and say look i've achieved a lot of great things i'm the kind of person that won't be treated in this way and that is manifested in the way they hold themselves 
And I think um, that's why it's so important to, to I guess you have to find a balance between your, your, your love for, there are obviously compromises in everything that you, you, you try to maintain as much of your self-respect as you can. And when that is infringed too much by people that you even love, it becomes tricky. But that's the, I guess the, um, this has me delineating between like the values of, let's say, Western culture and African culture, which has more of a focus on, you know, you do everything for your family, for the, for the tribe, so to speak. But um, yeah, bro, we have covered quite a lot of stuff. Um, I just want to do a quick section for my bonus um, Patreons here. I want some inside baseball. Now, obviously, you've learned a lot of the, the tricks and of the trade when it comes to the dating and, and success. Um, can you give me three tips? They don't have to be specifically in the realm of dating, but they can be in, in life, perhaps how to be successful or how to even just get lots of money or something like that, Matt. What are three things that you've learned that can really catapult you into success with women or life? Mm. I'd say, you on the spot, um, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd say first thing that comes to mind is learn to um, be comfortable with discomfort learn how to be comfortable with discomfort and chase after it. The more discomfort you put yourself in will be, um, will bas basically equals the amount of success that you're willing to have. Secondly, Does that mean I can take my clothes off and run after girls in the, in the street? I'm down for it, man. <laughs> if, I'm one of, if, if I'm one of those girls, I'm down for it. Oh, bro. The, the, the sexual harassment cases are going to be uh, coming in the, in the loads, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously context is important, but for for simplicity and trying to be concise for the sake of those two things. Um, I will keep my, my points relatively straightforward. Um, I'd say the second thing would be to ask yourself the hard questions, find out what you really want. What are your goals? What do you actually want to achieve? What is your value system? What do you find attractive or what do you respect in other people? Um, that helps things get really, really clarified. Um, and that is really important to make sure that you're, working in the right area so a lot of people think they want something and they're they're in the middle of a jungle and they're like i'm just going to go full steam ahead in this direction and they never look at their map to realize that they're in the wrong jungle so they're making progress but it's counterintuitive progress because they're doing it in the wrong areas so ask yourself the hard questions find out what you really want it doesn't have to go with the current narrative it can go against the narrative if you want but be honest with yourself Right. The third thing would be to understand that you can do things two ways. You could spend five years and read 200 books and gain the same knowledge as you would by paying someone a couple of thousand dollars and spending a week of time with them. You can make a choice because I think that smart people read books and they educate themselves, but smarter people learn from the people that already have the success they want. Well said. That's powerful advice, bro. And honestly, I, whereas I am someone that loves reading, I love experiencing as well. I feel like I've gained um, multiple, uh, you know, months, years of knowledge having this conversation. It's been like my own personal life coaching session. I have no doubt there are going to be a lot of people to get something out of this. I can't wait to put this out there. Uh, Jesse, the inner coach, you are a scholar, you're a gentleman. And bro, listening to you drop your, your knowledge has got my, my panties wet, I'm telling you, brother. <laughs> But um, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. Um, before I let you go, man, um, I know you were on the Instagram. I'm going to direct everyone to your, 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 your gram, bro. You got some amazing trinkets of knowledge there. I actually went through like quite a few of them. Powerful stuff. You need to get yourself some, we're going to get you some more followers, bro. Um, but are there any other sites that people can get onto if they want to get a hold of you? What's the, what's the main thing people got to do? Yeah, so Instagram is my major platform. Uh, you can also get a hold of me at www.innerconsultant.com.au. Um, you'll be able to find me on there. This site is temporarily under maintenance, but it will be up very shortly. Um, primarily contact me on Instagram if you just want to get yourself into a better environment, if you want to join that accountability group, if you just want a little bit of knowledge, or if you just want to have a chat, um, we can schedule some time and we can make sure we put you on the right path. But yeah, Instagram, hit me up first there. And any of the other inquiries you can send to uh, contact at innerconsultant.com through the website or jesse at innerconsultant.com also works perfectly fine. 
Fantastic. I'll be sure to put the links down below. So wait, with the accountability group, that is actually a group. I mean, what's what's the deal with that? Because that sounds like something that I think a lot of people would be interested in. Yeah, that- I run I run that accountability group on Facebook. So there's uh, posts throughout the week and there is a weekend accountability call, which we get everybody on. And um, if it's a few people that are hop on, then I teach lessons. Um, if it is a larger amount of people that hop on, then we give them a bunch of weekly tasks. We get progress reports. We have an environment that pushes people to their edge where they can feel the carrot um, where they can get the love and support. And then for people that know that they should be doing more, they get the stick. Uh, we make sure to run a tight ship where people are putting their best foot forward. I like that, man. That's definitely something we could use in all areas of society right now. More accountability, bro. So um, look, I'm going to put your links down. I'm sure people are going to be fascinated to, find, fascinated to find out all the cool stuff you're into. And Jesse, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on here. And uh, yeah, I feel I feel like it's synchronistic that I've I've run into you, man. You're someone that uh, is definitely my kind of people. And uh, I really value the information you're dropping, brother. God bless. Thank you so much for having me on, man. I only regret that we didn't get to spend more time. Well, brother, I I may back. I may be back in Melbourne. We'll see what happens. You know, I'm kind of just on my own journey right now in the Gold Coast. Might be uh, out of Australia, but I have a feeling I will be uh, back in Melbourne at some point. So uh, once again, brother, I'm sure our paths will cross paths. I'm sure we will cross off. And thank you once again for coming on the, on the Crucial Journey podcast. All right. Thank you, Ben. You won't work it. Don't get the rest. You won't make it.